Welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And it's Christmas time, guys. It's it Christmas time. It is. It is Christmas time. I'm so happy. It's one of my favorite times in the year. The only reason I don't say it's my absolute favorite time of the year is because... I live in New York and it's cold. But other than that, I enjoy Christmas time oh so much. Yes, indeed. It is cold. It is wintry. We haven't had the dreaded S word yet. Santa? Yes. Is that the S word? Yes, that's the dreaded S word. Santa? Santa? Oh, Santa! So, in honor of our first christmas episode of 2021 i have decided to show scott a classic christmas movie a christmas comedy by the name of national lampoon's christmas vacation released in 1989 yes yes you did and vacation's the wrong word it's they're not on vacation yeah, it's a staycation dear you're getting a little too technical now chevy chase still goes to work in the movie oh shush you <laughs> the, the, the wording is not important the feelings behind it the yucks that's what's important and many much yucks there are um before we watch this movie scott was very adamant in asking me several times if it was necessary for him to watch the original National Lampoon's Vacation film, which was released in 1983, in order to understand this movie. And I multiple times told him, no, it's not necessary. It's fine if you want to, but you don't have to. So he was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? As if he didn't trust his own wife. And then eventually I was just like, okay, you know what? Fuck it. You want to watch the movie? Let's watch the movie. So we did actually watch the original National Lampoon's Vacation in order to prepare for this. Scott had never seen that either. I had, but just not for a long time. So certain things I had forgotten about. So it actually worked out that we rewatched it. But just quickly, how did you feel, Scott, about both National Lampoon's Vacation and this movie, Christmas Vacation? So I have to look at it this way. I understand these movies, of course, came out in the 80s. This genre of the road trip movie slash Christmas break movie has been done to death since then. But back then, it was more of a novel premise. So I've seen a lot of these tropes that probably weren't as tropey then as they became later on. So like I still enjoyed both of them, but I feel like I would have gotten more if I had seen them previously. I do actually pretty much agree with you for the most part. I didn't really grow up with these movies, watching them constantly like a lot of people I feel like did. And actually, I think Christmas Vacation is in a lot of ways similar to the first Vacation movie in that humor kind of starts off or maybe like the first half of it, very kind of tame and, you know, very slapsticky almost. 
and kind of like wah, wah, wah kind of humor for the most part. And then once we get to a certain point, it just kind of devolves and gets like darker and darker and darker as far as the humor goes, which is something that I enjoy about it particularly. I enjoy the fact that you go into it and you get through a good chunk of it thinking that it's one thing and then it just kind of goes down this rabbit hole of insanity. Well, well, yeah. Well, initially, before you even showed me these, I actually had seen the remake of Vacation. Ah, yes. In 2015. With uh, Ed Helms. Oh, no. And that was a mess. Not having seen any of the ones prior to that. It was just like, oh. Which doesn't, all off the bat, really doesn't make sense that you would go see the remake of this. There are technically five National Lampoon vacation movies, not including the remake, because there were four theatrical releases and then one straight-to-DVD movie, which is actually the sequel to Christmas Vacation. And then... (laughs) Is Chevy in that? Uh, No, it surrounded Uncle Eddie. Oh, that's no. Yeah, why? But anyway, and then there's the reboot. So it it kind of astounds me that you felt the urge to go see the reboot. Well, a remake, whatever the fuck. Well, it wasn't even like I felt the urge to go see it. I was literally bored one day. Oh, hey, vacation's on. Put it on. I'm like, I've never seen that. I'm like, oh, this is the remake. Oh well, I got an hour and a half to kill. Oh, God. Okay. Well, you know, you could have done so many other things, dear. Yeah, I could have done... Lots of other things you could have been doing. But anyway, um, (laughs) that would be more worthwhile. Christmas Vacation is widely renowned as a a damn good Christmas movie, a, a staple of the Christmas season. Entertainment Weekly has it rated as number 18 in the top Christmas movies of all time. It has a Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 68%, which isn't that grand, but uh, an audience score of 86. So I I think that basically falls in line with what both Scott and I were saying is that like it's good, but like it's not anything, you know, amazing or, you know, I think a lot of it relies on the nostalgia of it, which is fine. I mean, a lot of things that are popular today rely on the nostalgia of it, so I'm not mad at it. Well, not only that, but also, like, Chevy is, like... A cunt. Well, yeah. And it's kind of like you watch him in, like, whatever movie Chevy's in, even if you go to uh, a Caddyshack. And he's like, oh, yeah, Chevy's funny every now and then, but, like, Chevy's just a psychopath. (laughs) Well, Chevy Chase... Even to this day, I mean, it's less appealing now because he's old and (laughs) and bitter and nasty. But in that time, he had a real reputation as being very dry, sarcastic, and kind of an asshole. But it was charming because he was Chevy Chase in the 80s. So it's like, okay, (laughs) it feels more fucked up somehow because they're putting Clark Griswold as like the family man who just wants everything to go great for his family vacations. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's like hitting on random women in front of his children. In front of his wife. And skinny dipping with women while his wife is asleep upstairs. It's fucking weird. But like, <laughs> he's asked, I don't know. He's asking to see uh, a girl's pantyhose in the middle of Macy's it's in very, front of his son. That's, I mean, going into both rewatching the original vacation and this like i remember clark griswold being like an asshole because chevy chase 
but just like the the unmitigated <laughs> gall of fucking Clark Griswold to be Christmas shopping in the mall with his children and then just blatantly hitting on this like 20 something year old girl at Macy's <laughs> while his son is standing right there it's just like oh god anyway that's neither here nor there <laughs> um Let's let's get through some uh, preliminary information here. This movie was directed by Jeremiah S. Chechik. It was his first feature film and by far the most successful. I couldn't recognize anything else that he had done. <laughs> I don't even know I who is this person. I don't know. I mean, he did a good job. The movie was well directed. I got to give him that. Um, it was written by John Hughes, who we've talked about in previous episodes. We've done episodes on Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller. Um, this was towards the end of John Hughes's golden age. Where it started kind of going downhill for him was after Home Alone. And this is the year before Home Alone. But um, <laughs> anyway, we're, we're still holding on to the last grasp of genius that John Hughes has at this point. The 80s were Hughes. Yes, he was also the co-producer on the movie. And uh, funnily enough, there was originally going to be another director on the movie, a much more well-known, more recognizable director by the name of Chris Columbus. You know, the guy that directed Harry Potter's and Home Alone. But he did not get along with Chevy Chase at all. So John Hughes, being a co-producer, decided, no, no, no. I'm going to give you Home Alone, uh, Mr. Columbus, and I'm going to give this random guy Christmas Vacation. So ultimately, it probably worked out better for him because, I mean, as I do enjoy this movie, but I would venture to say that Home Alone is a much more beloved franchise than Christmas Vacation. Well, oh, Chevy Chase not getting along with somebody uh, in a I've cast? I've never heard of such a thing. It, it's never happened. Never heard of such a thing. This movie debuted at number two in the box office behind... You want to guess? You've seen the movie? Oh, I have. Part uh, of a trilogy. Part of a trilogy? 1989? Die Hard? No. No. Um. First movie came out in 1985. <laughs> uh, no, no clue. Back to the Future Part 2. Ah. And uh, it had a budget of $25 million. And had a worldwide gross of $73 million, making it the highest grossing film in the National Lampoon series until, of course, the 2015 reboot. God, that's sad that the 2015 reboot is the highest grossing. Well, I think it's just because, like, you know, time and such. Oh, hey, maybe maybe National Lampoon will come back and be good. No, no. 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 No, that's okay. I think the time has passed for... Uh, vacation movies that's okay so i think it's time for our christmas season to commence as we get into the nitty and the gritty okay let's do it let's empty uh the septic tank and let's do this oh no so <laughs> the movie starts off with a cute little animated opening sequence with a opening theme song performed by mavis staples who is a rhythm and blues singer and, and she, it's catchy as fuck. 
It is very catchy. Usually in the other movies, they have the theme of Holiday Road, which is a really fun song. But this time, they made up a, a brand spanking new song for the picture because it was a Christmas movie. So we got to make a Christmas song. There's lots of good Christmas songs in the movie, by the by. So that that's always fun. But after we have our little theme song, we open on the Griswold family driving out into the country to get a Christmas tree, as you do in a Christmas film. Now, as we mentioned, our Faja of the movie, Clark, is played by Chevy Chase. And we have our mother, Ellen, who's played by Beverly D'Angelo. In probably her best known role. I think so, yeah. Um... The the thing is, their dynamic as a couple is really kind of toxic when you think about it too hard. So let's not think about it too hard because this is a Christmas movie and we want happiness, okay? But um, she lets him get away with way too fucking much, both in the other vacation movies and in this movie. But it's fine. Let's not... T- t- family dysfunction? Where? <laughs> I don't see it. Christmas! Anyway... Um, we have the two children of the Griswold family, played by yet another set of young actors, because I believe in every movie they're played by different actors. Yeah. This time, the young teenage sister, Audrey, is played by Juliette Lewis. She's known for several movies. She was in From Dusk Till Dawn. She's been in Natural Born Killers, Cape Fear, several Uh, awesome movies she's a pretty standardly awesome actress uh and we also have the son rusty a young child played by johnny galecki who uh was leonard in big bang theory our babies will be smart and beautiful (laughs) not to mention imaginary I'm more personally in tune with him as the character of David in Roseanne's show. He's almost unrecognizable because he's so young and baby-faced. There's a couple, like, early on it's hard to see, but once we get to the Griswold home and you can see him with his hair back, you see Leonard more. So immediately with this first scene um we get a a nice depiction of this family's dynamics mostly revolving around the fact that the father is not is a psychopath yes i mean he purposely gets in a road rage situation with this like huge truck while his children are in the car and his wife obviously as i mentioned they get run off the road by said truck and like flung into the woods because you know why not and then he ventures into the woods to search for a christmas tree for his home and they are walking through the snowy freezing cold woods for hours to the point where his teenage daughter almost suffers hypothermia ha <laughs> Isn't that funny? Well, it's, <laughs> it's so it's so great because in this beginning segment, like it, this whole road rage incident, and we've all anyone who's driven has had road rage at some point, but usually you can calm yourself down. Clark cannot calm himself down. Beverly D'Angelo can't calm him down. She goes, "Clark, I don't want to die for Christmas." <laughs> no, she. I think the line actually was. Clark, I don't want to spend the holidays dead. Oh, yeah, that's it. It's such a sick... Like, that's kind of what's funny about their dynamic, really, like, especially with them two. Like, he just acts like a complete buffoon or an asshole, either way. And she just, like... 
oh she has like the sitcom wife response like i dream of genie like oh you and it's like no <laughs> like in the first in the first movie i totally forgot about this part in the first movie but he is caught skinny dipping with a woman in a hotel oh a woman that he's been flirting with the entire movie right uh-huh he's skinny dipping with her and sh- the wife catches him right beverly d'angelo and he goes upstairs with his tail between his legs to quote unquote apologize or something i don't even know if he ever actually apologized no but he sh- just like swings ap- into the bed with her and it's like hey and she's like oh. I'm like oh you and it's like that's it it's over i'm like um no sh- she apologized to him i believe yeah She's like, I I think he might have apologized. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, too. And you're like, why are you sorry? And she's like, oh, let's go skitty dipping together, Clark. And it's like, okay, no wife would act this way. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it's uh, Clark. Clark's not a good guy. So then once they're in the woods and they're they're looking for this tree, Clark has a, a hallelujah Jesus moment where he finds the perfect Christmas tree and it's ginormous. Oh. And the family's like, um, this is too big for our house. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, it's perfect. And then the little son's like, oh, dad, did you bring tools? And he's like, oh, no, I didn't. And then you just cut to the next scene and they're driving away from the forest with uh, an uprooted tree just strapped to their car roof which doesn't really I, I feel like it wouldn't be that easy to just pop a fucking tree out of its roots at least not that size tree. no that that tree if you just drive around the neighborhood you see what tree roots do to like a random sidewalk roots are gigantic they're not it's not like you're pulling a fucking weed out of the ground but no we we, we gotta move on clark has this huge tree He's got to cut up part of it to fit it in the house. But we meet our random side characters who aren't important to the story. We basically get our whole cast of side characters that are going to assist in making everything wacky this fucking movie. We get these two like bougie, annoying neighbors named Margo and Todd. And uh, Todd, we don't even fucking care about. But t- the only thing notable is that Margot is played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who, of course, was in Seinfeld as Elaine. But other than that, they're just meant to be there to be annoyed neighbors by all of Clark's antics. Oh, and Clark basically tortures these two. Essentially, yeah. Um, But that's always fun. You know, torture, yay! And then not that long after, both Clark's parents and Ellen's parents show up for Christmas... Most notably are the two mothers in this equation. We have Nora, who is Clark's mother, played by Diane Ladd, who is a a three-time Oscar-nominated actress. You know, very talented lady. And um, we also have Ellen's mom, Frances, who is played by Doris Roberts, the mother from Everybody Loves Raymond. To make the perfect meatball, the most important ingredient is the love. Without the love, it's just a ball of meat. <laughs> so, I mean, we're, we're cooking now. We're cooking with gas. Well, I was waiting for her to comment on somebody's cooking, but... We can't cross the stream, Scott. We can't, they, we can't have her be uh, Raymond's mother yet. But the fam is there, and, um, you know, we establish early on that 
Clark and Ellen have a conversation about the big family Christmas. And she's like, oh, you know, Sparky, because she calls him Sparky because that's just so cute. And she says to him, she says, oh, honey bear, darling. You know you get crazy. We don't have to do this. We can go somewhere else. She she basically tells him, you know, you get really excited with vacations and, and big family events and things. And you build it up in your mind. And when things go wrong, you kind of lose your shit a little bit. So maybe don't get your hopes up so high. Because our families don't really like each other. And it's not going to be fun. And he's like, no. No, it's going to be a great Christmas. And everything's Honey, honey, I've always dreamed of being the man to host the big family Christmas. Have everyone come here and enjoy a wonderful Christmas. Spoilers, doesn't happen. Well, this is a comedy after all, so we can't have that happen. That would be boring. But it's it's interesting because I feel like because it's a Christmas movie, they try to kind of horn in this... Um, like emotional tenderness stuff where they didn't really in the original vacation. They shoehorn in this whole thing where Clark, he's at one point, he gets locked in the attic for reasons. I don't even remember why, but he's watching like old home movies uh, in the attic. And it, they're all Christmas, past Christmas times where times were good and wholesome and beautiful. And that's what he wants for his family. And it's like, okay, that's sweet and all, but like, we all know what's going to happen. So maybe, you know, you don't have to go so in on the schmaltz. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't have to go all in on the schmaltz. And we know what happens with Clark. We, we saw it in vacation. As things start to go wrong, Clark goes crazy, slowly but surely. Whether it's leaving a dead body outside someone's household, or, you know, forgetting to bring a dog into the car. Oh my god, in the original vacation, Clark kills a dog, and spoiler alert, in this movie, he kills another animal. So it's like, can we just stop killing animals <laughs> in the movies? In the original, like, they try to make it not so bad because the dog was mean. And it's like, no, it's still terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's still not a good thing that Clark killed a dog. I mean, it was an accident, but, like, still. It's a pretty gruesome way that the dog... Have you ever seen the original Vacation? I recommend it. It actually is... It's still funny. It's good. But, like, the dog scene was rough. <laughs> it was hurtful to me. I was like, oh no. You see kids in cars. Here's the lead, sir. I'm going back to get the rest of the carcass off the road. Thank you, officer. See you. Have a nice day. Um, but yeah, after the families get there for the family Christmas, yay! Right after we finish talking about animal murder, um, everyone's like bickering and driving everybody crazy and Clark is outside trying to put up these lights. These Christmas lights because he's the dad of the family and that's what the dads do, you see. They go outside and they put up the lights oh, because that's what the dudes do. But you can already tell Clark is going way too hard. Yeah, he's, he's on the roof and he's on the set. This is a good chunk of hijinks here. We got lots of hijinks, 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 falling and sliding and slipping and, you know, that kind of stuff. Then we get to the lighting of the lights and he's like, oh, there are 
25,000 twinkle lights on this house and I will set them afire. And it's like, oh my God, are you going to set the house afire? <laughs> are you going to like burn down the whole neighborhood? Like well, what's happening? Well, we get the trope of once the lights actually do go on because of course the lights don't go on at first. Yeah, you know, fun, fun times, yes. But once the lights do get on, we get the trope that you've seen 10 million times after this of the whole neighborhood loses power because Clark's lights are too bright. Right, fun. But it, they also add to it the, the stuff with the neighbor is funny in that scene where the lights do finally get on and the lights are so bright that the neighbors who are like just chilling silently and, and calmly in their house drinking wine because they're so bougie um, a huge shot of light gets flooded into their house and like temporarily blinds them and they just like go flying around the house like in yeah. chaos tom falls down the stairs but yeah and also a funny little fun fact in this whole sequence of the movie of him trying to get these lights to work at one point he keeps trying to plug it in and it, it won't it'll go on and then go off immediately after and clark gets so frustrated that he proceeds to punch all the other lawn decorations in his house and a fun fact about that is that in the midst of that little tirade Chevy Chase, while punching a plastic Santa, actually did in real life break his pinky finger, and they ended up keeping that take in the movie of him breaking his finger <laughs> and screaming. Nice. Which, I mean, good. Because <laughs> that's real, bitch. Yeah, real pain. Yeah, Chevy has a lot of little physical kind of gags throughout this. Well, you said multiple times throughout the movie that the man has crazy eyes. Oh, he, he does. Chevy has a bad case of crazy eyes. I mean, give it to him. It's ex he's expressive, and that you need that a lot of times with comedy, especially physical comedy. But, so it it works for him. But yeah, at times it really is funny, especially when things start getting really bad, and he just flashes the crazy eyes. You're like, oh god, he's going to murder us all. Would it shock you? If somebody said, "Oh, Chevy Chase murdered three people," would that really shock you? Well, Chevy Chase, yeah, Clark Griswold, no. But Chevy Chase, which I, he's like 102 years old at this point. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Chevy murdered three people. Oh, no, not Chevy. <laughs> Chevy's waiting for his like his Christmas bonus because that's like a running thing throughout the movie. Oh, yes. We, we cut to him a couple times throughout the movie where he's talking to his boss at office building because uh, do, do I know what he does for a No, I don't. I don't care. It doesn't really matter. The point is he works at an office building and he has a boss by the name of Frank Shirley and he's played by Brian Doyle Murray, who we have talked about before. I think. Yes, we talked about him in uh, Scrooge. Oh, uh, yes, because he's Bill Murray's brother. He's the bear in Groundhog Day, we've seen him. Oh, he's also the Flying Dutchman. We can't forget the Flying Dutchman in SpongeBob, Scott. No, we can't forget that. I am the Flying Dutchman. That's it. Squidward, this ship belongs to the Red Baron. So Chevy has this whole thing where he's waiting for this Christmas bonus. Like, he, when we cut back to the office, that's all they talk about is, oh, this Christmas bonus, because I secretly bought my kids a pool. I put $7,500 that I don't have on the pool. Again, not really wise, but okay. And didn't even tell his wife about it. Because I don't have to explain to anybody by this point, by what I've already said about Clark and his relationship with his wife. He doesn't really respect his wife. 
No, he does not. Like at all. So why why would why would he tell her about this this incredible insurmountable pool uh, expense that he's he's shelled out because the woman doesn't need to know about the finances. That is the man's job. Hey, how else is he going to invite? the 20 year old from Macy's to come skinny dip in his pool. Oh my God. Uh, I had the, Oh my God. Can I just explain something? Okay. I have to start off by explaining this one thing and then I'll get to the other thing. So, um, cousin Eddie and his wife, Catherine are in this movie. They show up unannounced. Uh, cousin Eddie is played by Randy Quaid. He was in, of course, the original movie as well. Most people, I feel like, I mean, he's been in a million things, but most people know him, I feel like, as the guy who gets abducted by aliens in Independence Day. Yeah. Also where he takes a random jet plane and, like, flies to kill them, like, ah, I'm back. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. Um, so he, he shows up to the house uninvited with his wife and his two kids, and, uh, we find out he's broke and he's living in an RV and he's just a fucking trashy piece of shit. But anyway, he's funny, so it's fine. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I say that sarcastically. So later on in the movie, right, Chevy Chase, a.k.a. Clark Griswold, is standing by his window looking out onto like the backyard having a fantasy about the swimming pool right that he wants to get and in it as scott said the fucking macy's girl we saw earlier is uh you know swimming in the pool and being very sexy clark is getting very into this fantasy his nose is pressed up against the window and cousin eddie's little girl comes up behind him thinking that he's Santa Claus and is like, oh, Santa? And Clark turns around and I swore to God, I was like, because I didn't remember like every detail of this movie. I hadn't seen it in a while. When he turned around, I thought that he was going to have a boner. <laughs> that was going to be the joke. And I was like, please don't. Don't have a boner in front of this child. Please don't do that movie. Don't. Don't do that. And thankfully they didn't. But I could just see that being in a draft oh, yeah. somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> that they, like, in the moment, they were like, oh, th that doesn't look good. Maybe not, let's not do that. Yeah. Or, or they took multiple, they, like, tried it, and then in, like, uh, audience testing, they're like, that doesn't go off good. Let's cut that out. But I think this is an homage, actually, to Fast Times. Because he's looking out the window and the Macy's girl is coming out of the pool. Oh, yeah. So I think this is actually a thing, like, referencing fast times at Ridgemount High. Yeah, so really what should have happened is that fucking Clark Griswold should have went to the bathroom and jerked off. And then the little girl comes in the bathroom and finds him jerking off. Or his wife, you know. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. No. <laughs> We're, this is Christmas. Christmas! Thank God there were no boner jokes in this Christmas movie. <laughs> oh, and I also forgot to mention that Cousin Eddie and the family brought a little Rottweiler dog named Snot, which, despite his name, he was a really cute Rottweiler. <laughs> he, he was really, really cute. <laughs> yeah, he, he's definitely cute. Uh, Cousin Eddie also likes to empty his septic tank into the sewers. Oh, uh, yes, because they live in an RV, so, like, you know, after a while, as Eddie says, the shitter gets full, and you gotta dump it, so he just goes out and jumps it in the storm drain, which seems ill-advised. It's illegal. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, you know, I don't work for the city or anything, but that just seems ill-advised. Just a little. So, Clark has a, a little heart-to-heart -heart with... Eddie's young daughter, Ruby, again, kind of shoehorning in a little schmaltzy moment. But Clark finds out from her that uh, 
Eddie has told his children that Santa's not coming this year because they're fucking broke and they can't afford presents. So Clark and Ellen decide that they're going to buy gifts for the kids so they can enjoy Christmas. And it's it's very sweet. Um, Eddie's a fucking dickhead because he's like, oh, no, Clark, I couldn't. I couldn't impose on you that way. And then two seconds later, he whips out a Christmas list like, this is what the kids want. <laughs> but don't you worry, Clark. I'll get you something special. Oh, my God. Fuck off. But I did want to mention my favorite line in that scene where he's talking to the little girl. Tim's nervous because Christmas is almost here. Nervous or excited? Shit and bricks. You shouldn't use that word. Sorry. Shit and rocks. That was funny. And it's great just because, like, normally if that line's delivered by, like, a normal person, you're like, that's stupid. But, but because it's a little it's a, kid. Yeah, but because it's a little kid and she seems sincere when she delivers the line, you're like, that's cute and kind of funny. So up to this point, most of the humor, it's been funny, but like it hasn't, like I've, I've emitted a few chuckles. Yeah. Nothing too uproarious. Um, really, I'm trying to think if I laughed like uproariously at all in this movie. Not really. No, there's nothing super oh my god like that killed me like there was nothing like crazy like where i was dying laughing like yeah that's true i mean it, it definitely gets funnier after this point because the, the, the kind of uh turning point of this movie is christmas eve dinner once we get to the christmas eve dinner and onwards it just kind of devolves further and further into darkness and that that coupled with the humor of the movie makes it actually genuinely like really funny but even that stuff it's it's more funny because of the character of Clark and how fucking insane he is and how everyone's reacting to him. But like, it, it's not, you know what I think maybe a part of it is? I don't feel like this movie, as far as comedies go, is like super quotable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like, if you think about it, like, like a lot of comedy movies, especially the 80s and 90s, like they're super quotable. Like... Adam Sandler movies or like the Austin Powers movies. Yeah, Beverly Hills Cop. All right. Those, all those movies that are like staples that people watch multiple times. You, you do quote them quite frequently. Yeah. I would say the funniest point in this movie is when he just totally cracks. Is when he totally cracks and goes on that long rant. Yes. But I'm like, you can't really repeat that because if you just start going off on that rant, even if you, even if you know it by heart, there's nothing in it that's like, yeah, that's really funny when you break it down. No, it's funny because you're at this breaking point for Clark because Clark's gone fucking nuts at this point. Yeah, so I don't know if it's necessarily a knock on the movie that it's not as quotable, but I guess maybe it just means that it's not as memorable. Like, I didn't remember a lot of the details of the movie. I just remember the overarching theme of, like, Clark going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and shit going wrong. But the, because oh, that's every vacation movie. That's every vacation movie. But also, that's a lot of like, oh, hey, we're hosting Christmas movies. Everything kind of goes wrong. Right. Like, you see, again, put on the Christmas movie, and if it's like, oh, we're at home for Christmas and we're having everybody over, this is that movie. Yeah. Like, the, you know what? the You know, maybe it is that the, the s certain scenarios in this movie are more memorable than, like, the lines. Because, like, I vividly remember the lights sequence of the movie. And I vividly remember, we're not there yet, but the scene where the the squirrel pops out of the tree. Yeah, that one was pretty very funny. So, like, I don't know. It's not 
better or worse necessarily. It's just different in terms of like being memorable. And again, a lot of it might have to do with the fact that both Scott and myself, even though I have seen it before, we didn't grow up with this movie really. No. On a, on the regular. So right before Christmas Eve dinner begins, we get the introduction of two more characters in the movie. We get the introduction of Clark's senile Aunt Bethany and his grumpy Uncle Lewis. And um, I just want to mention the significance of Aunt Bethany, who is played by Mae Questel. This was her final film ever. And um, she voiced Betty Boop in the 1930s. And it actually just before that, the year prior to this movie, had voiced Betty Boop in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, she still got it. Yeah, you still got it. Because you can even hear it kind of in her voice when she talks in this movie. She's got a very distinct like squeak to her voice. Yeah, now that you say that, when she sings like the national anthem for... Uh, Grace? <laughs> yes. Well, she doesn't know. For Grace, she does the Pledge of oh, Allegiance. Yes. That was one of the funniest parts in the movie as well. That I was have to good. Say. So we have a pretty disastrous Christmas Eve dinner. Um, and it's filled with a lot of the, again, as Scott said, kind of like the normal Christmas movie tropes. But because it's hard now with Christmas movies. Because Christmas movies in general are so common now like there's literally 50,000 of them between like Hallmark and Lifetime and fucking just theatrical movies and you know older movies newer movies there's all like 50 bajillion Christmas movies out there so they've all got some levels of tropism going on the overcooked turkey yes. the lights blow out uh, you know although not many Christmas movies that I know of have a cat electrocution no, that is true. That one was very that, new. Yes, you know we were going to get here sooner or later. This is where the animal is murdered. Um, <laughs> albeit accidentally, but does that really make it better? Not really. Um, well, so the, other the, one was, the other one was an accident too. It just... Well, that somehow was... Well, no, they were both pretty horrible. Now I'm thinking about it. Okay, so in this movie, Aunt Bethany's cat is roaming around the house and she gets a hold of the Christmas tree lights and she's playing with them and Clark for whatever reason walks in the living room and sees the lights go out because the cat pulled the thing out of the wall so he goes and plugs it back in and upon plugging in the lights again you hear a and like a, a light explosion <laughs> and the lights go out and then What's weird about it, though, is you, they turn the lights back on and they see what happened to this cat. And it's literally just like a cartoon, like an outline of a cat. Oh, yeah. In black. And it's smoking. It's like, okay, I mean, I'd prefer that than actually seeing a murdered cat. But <laughs> maybe just like allude to it, like with the smoke and stuff. Like you don't have to show anything because it just kind of looks silly. Well, it, it, it does look silly. It's cartoony. How much power is going through Clark's outlet to kill a cat. Well, like, this is Clark Griswold's house. Yeah, but even still, like, Jesus Christ, that's got to be... And who knows, like, there might have been an exposed, because the cat was probably chewing on it or something. Yeah, but I still think the cat probably maybe wouldn't have been incinerated. This seems like a weird comparison to make, but I'm going to make it. In the first movie where Clark kills the dog... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> they they don't show the dog. Basically, if you don't know what happens is he tied up the dog to the back of the car while 
the family was loading the luggage into the car. Um, indicating that when the car was done being loaded, they would untie the dog, put the dog in the back seat, and off they would go into the distance. Holiday road, right? Okay. So, <laughs> um, they didn't do that. And the cop pulls them over and basically describes how the dog ran along with them and then was deadified. Okay. Yeah. And that... It makes you very uncomfortable, obviously, especially if you're a dog lover. Uh, Clark was fine with it. Clark was like, oh, but yeah. Clark was like, oh, you know. <laughs> Let me get back in the car and drive Sorry. away. <laughs> Sorry about that. They kind of just tried to make it humorous or at least uncomfortable, which I think was more the, the idea of making it uncomfortable for people. And then the humor in it is that Clark's just like, oh, well, we got to get back on the road. Um, <laughs> which you can argue whether or not that's actually funny, but the point is they didn't show anything because it would just be wrong, wrong and ridiculous. So you could have very easily just not shown the cat flambéed <laughs> into the furniture. You know what this actually makes me think of though? The cat being electrocuted. This makes me think of Marv in Home Alone 2. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he gets electrocuted. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, specifically that part where he gets electrocuted and it's a skeleton. Yeah, yeah, it's basically the same thing. Only the difference is that Home Alone is a kids movie, so you can get away with that. Like you know, as a kid, you don't want to fucking look on the TV and see like someone actually being electrocuted. So yeah, that makes sense. But like the tones didn't exactly mesh, but that is kind of nitpicky really at this point because things are just so bizarre in this movie. Yeah, I don't think I would have reacted well to uh, an animal like dying. The cat like got burnt. He was under the couch or under like a love seat or something. So they'd literally just move the love seat out into the curb and that's the end of it. Meanwhile, I would assume that the whole house would just reek. Oh yeah, 100%. of death and burnt cat. Have you ever, like, just smelt burnt hair? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I can't imagine you're just going along with your fucking meal after that, but th whatever, that's besides let's the point. Keep, let's keep eating the overcooked turkey. Oh, my Lord. And then, even even better, the Uncle Lewis guy, he goes out into the living room to have a nice cigar in front of the tree and he sets the tree on fire as well as himself, but he gets patted out and um, the tree is ruined. Oh, yeah. I would have pissed. And, I mean, Clark was. Um, <laughs> he responds to this inconvenience, this upsetting event, by going outside of his home and cutting down just a regular old tree in his yard. And... After cutting it down with the chainsaw, it falls through the neighbor's window, of course, because wah, wah, wah. So he, he grabs that tree, puts it in the house. They decorate it. And again, the family just kind of moves on with the night like everything's fine. Until the squirrel. <gasps> squirrel! Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the senile old aunt... Bethany, she hears a little squeaky sound, and then Clark goes up to the tree and is like, I hear it too. And then he's looking in there, and all of a sudden, out pops a squirrel. And the whole family is freaking out. And Scott, being the jerk he is, he's like, Why is everybody freaking out? It's just a squirrel. Meanwhile, if it were me, I'd be doing the exact same thing, running around and screaming. Well, eventually, like, they're running, all of them are running around the house. One of the 
one of them is playing dead in the living room. Uh, because she's like, oh, the squirrel's here. I'm like, just open the fucking door, get a broom, and swat the squirrel out with the broom. But no, we get the Rottweiler coming in, running around after the squirrel. Because the Rottweiler had disappeared, basically, until this point in the movie. And now he's chasing the squirrel around, destroying the house. And uh, finally, Miss Dreyfus comes across the street to yell at Clark, finally, after all the shit that's gone on. And Clark just opens the door, squirrel jumps in her face, followed by the Rottweiler. Yeah, and after that, then we kind of get the final kind of nail in the coffin here where... Clark gets a delivery of a little envelope from his job, and oh, it's his Christmas bonus! Oh, so exciting! And he's talking it up to the family. He's like, "I'm gonna get us a pool, and you all can come visit." I'll, I'll pay for you all to come. Oh, visit. life is wonderful! And then he opens the envelope, and what does he find? It's a jelly of the month club. I don't know what that is. No one does. Scott, do you really want to? Should I buy you a Jelly of the Month membership? I'm okay. <laughs> I'm all right. Don't oh, no. We're, we're crossing the streams now. Oh, sorry. 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 Here. Sorry. sorry. Huh. So this is where Clark really kind of loses his shit. And he, uh, he snaps, as he often does in situations such as these. He goes on a real tirade. And in the tirade, he says that he wants his boss, Frank Shirley, to be delivered to his house wrapped in a bow so he can insult him to his face and And Eddie leaves right after that and we don't know where he's going what where's he going gee I wonder yeah Randy Quaid gets this smile on his face and you've seen the smile if you've seen the Randy Quaid movie you've seen this this smile where it's like oh please no Randy no don't do it Randy Quaid please don't do it but you know he's going to do something stupid. But despite, um, you know, Clark being a little more calm now, slightly, only slightly really, the family is just kind of done. <laughs> family wants to leave. But we have probably, I would say, the most uh, iconic line of the movie where he kind of goes off on a little mini tangent. We're going to press on and we're going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny fucking K. And when Santa squeezes his fat white ass down that chimney night, he's going to find the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the nut house. Again, the crazy eyes really do it for me. Oh, yeah. Because he, he opens his eyes, like, really wide. And you're like, dude, please. I have a family. <laughs> please don't kill me. But, yeah, Clark, Clark, again, has, like, another kind of, like, moment. Uh, a, a little schmaltzy moment with his dad talking about like you know son you, you can't ever have the perfect Christmas you just have to enjoy your family and that's what Christmas is all about and then he really calms down and then they're all sitting in the living room like a happy little clan and uh, D- Clark is reciting the night before Christmas and everything's beautiful and then <laughs> And as he's talking about it, he goes, and then Cousin Eddie showed up with my boss wrapped in a bow? So we cut back to his boss's mansion, 
as his wife is calling the police saying that a crazy person has kidnapped her husband. And Clark is like, oh, shit. So now we cut back to the Griswold house where they have kidnapped fucking his boss. And they're talking about, like, shit, man. Uh, we're sorry. Eddie has a big heart, but is really stupid. And he's like, oh, Clark, that's the nicest thing you ever said to me. I was like, okay. Um, but yeah, the, the boss, in this whole conversation, the boss admits that, yeah, he canceled Christmas bonuses this year. And Clark was like, what the fuck, man? I've been got, I've worked here 17 years at the office, and I've gotten a Christmas bonus every year. Fuck you. And the boss is like, well, you know... I'm I'm sorry. I feel bad. Like you know, I you don't think about how it really affects people least until you see it in real life. And then just as like things are turning around, and the boss is like, "I'm gonna give you your Christmas bonus back, Clark, plus twenty percent." Yay! And then the fucking SWAT team <laughs> comes in. Oh, the SWAT team burst in through windows. They also go into the neighbor's house too, uh, for some reason. Because why not? Because fuck them. Fuck the neighbors. They're too bougie. They need to be taken down a peg or 50. And they they bust in. They're like holding their guns at the Griswold family. They're like, everybody freeze. Nobody move. Uh, the wife uh, comes in and is like, oh, honey, are you okay? Boss like, I'm not pressing any charges. This was a big mistake. And he goes, I did something terrible. At one point, they're all frozen, and Beverly D'Angelo goes, Hi, welcome to my house, and she pushes her hand down. <laughs> Which, if this was a real-life situation, and the fucking SWAT team done. millions of cops are holding guns on you, and you move your hand, you're done, bro. You're, sh- you're shot. Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night, especially to Beverly D'Angelo, because you're dead. But it's a movie, so... We're all alive still. <laughs> so we get to, they talk about how their Christmas bonuses were taken. And even the cops are like, wow, that's a dick thing to do. If I had a rubber hose, I'd beat you senseless. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sir, calm down, sir. This is where we have our happy ending, quote unquote. Which is, it's, it's, it is a happy ending, but it's very indicative of an ending of a vacation movie. Because it's a happy ending, but it's also wrapped up in a big catastrophe. <laughs> Well, like, it's also, like, it's also a kidnapping. Like, in, the fir- in vacation, it's a kidnapping. Right. I like, mean, oh, so- and when it's funny because uh, Beverly D'Angelo repeats the line from the first movie, kind of, where in the first movie, uh, when Clark is holding a gun on a security guard, she's like, oh, this is our first gun. Uh, in this movie, Beverly D'Angelo says to the police, oh, this is our first kidnapping. And it's like, oh, that's that's the line from the first. This is funny. Oh, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But uh, at the end of the movie, the little kids uh, look out the window and they think they see Santa Claus flying in the sky. And the whole family goes out on the lawn and they look up into the sky. And it's such a, a Christmassy moment. Oh, Santa. And Clark Griswold is like, oh, no, kids, that's not Santa. That's a Christmas star. This is what Christmas is all about. Just being with your family and love and cheer and happiness. And then Uncle Lewis is on the side. He's like, that's not the fucking Christmas star. That's lights from the fucking uh, sewage plant up the fucking road or something. And this reminds Clark that Eddie has been dumping his RV sewage into the nearby storm drain the whole movie. Uh, But before Clark can stop Lewis, 
Lewis proceeds to drop his fucking cigar into the storm drain, causing a huge explosion. <laughs> Methane, baby! But then the movie really ends on this huge explosion lighting up the sky and senile old Aunt Bethany walking outside and starting to sing the national anthem. <laughs> And the, the family and the police officers all join in, hands on heart, just like looking up into the sky. And it's like, what is this? <laughs> and then uh, we get a repeat of the theme song going into the end credits. And that's the movie. <laughs> so, yeah, that was Christmas Vacation. How do we feel about it? It's fine. It's a fun movie. It's It's nothing that I'm like, I haven't seen yeah, I think it's a standard fun Christmas movie. I think if it was on TV and I caught it, I'd I'd watch it Christmas time, you know. It's a fun movie to have on. It's certainly a standard vacation movie. It's got a nice mix of like uh, physical comedy along with very dry comedy and dark comedy. I dig it fine. Yeah, again, it, it's it's a fun movie. Is it a movie that I think will become a Christmas staple in our house? No. So, uh, Scott, what did you give this movie on Letterboxd? I have it as a three, straight down the middle. All right. Uh, I, I gave it a three and a half because I think that even though I didn't laugh uproariously a lot of times, I did laugh and I did find certain situations really funny. And it it is kind of a, a classic Christmas tale and I got a kick out of it. So, yeah standard three and a half a little above average um as far as a christmas movie goes you know also i am quite the christmas connoisseur i enjoy a fun christmas movie but yeah i'm glad we watched it It was fun yeah it's, it's a good time again it's n- there's nothing in here that you haven't seen before but if you want to sit down and watch clark griswold slowly go crazy yeah, this is one of those movies to do that. And you can watch, like, three other ones that do that, too. So, I mean, you have a plethora to choose from. You can, you can marathon all the movies. Oh, God. <laughs> all four of them. Ugh. You know, watch as Clark Griswold goes crazy on the road. Watch as Clark Griswold goes crazy in Europe. Watch as Clark Griswold goes crazy during Christmas. Watch as Clark Griswold goes crazy in Vegas. <laughs> um. Then watch as Ed Helms goes crazy. So, yeah, fun times. Next week, Scott is going to be showing me a Christmas movie that I've never seen. It's a more recent one. Yes. I am a little curious about it, so I'm excited to watch. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Shoot the Flick, and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. Make sure you vote for us, Shoot the Flick, for Best Podcast of Long Island. Voting ends on 12-15. You can vote every single day, so please, oh please, do so. Give us that last little push to the finish, guys. Please, please, oh please. And continue decorating our houses for the holidays. Decorate your ears with Christmas music. Decorate 
your soul with Christmas cheer because next week, more Christmas. The week after that, more Christmas. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Oh, yeah, baby. And make sure you check us out next week for Christmas time with Christmas, Christmas. Shoot the flick Christmas. I think you would guess it's Christmas. Christmas! Christmas!